So we have a second reading today. It's a poem by Marge Piercy, and the title of the poem is Rising in Perilous Hope, which is also one of the themes for the first, first Sunday of Advent. We lift up hope. She writes, What can I hold in my hands this morning that will not flow through my fingers? What words can I say that will catch in your mind like burrs, chiggers that burrow? If my touch could heal, I would lay my hands on your bent head and bellow prayers. If my words could change the weather or their government or the way the world twists and guts us fast or slow, what could I do but what I do now? I fit words together and say them. It is a given like the color of my eyes. I hope it makes a small difference, as I hope the drought will break and the morning come rising out of the ocean wearing a cloak of green sweet mist and swirling turns. Let us pray. God, we invite you into this space and community of hope this morning. Keep our eyes and minds and hearts open to whatever you wish us to hear this morning. In your name, amen. The hope that strangers bring. I was listening to NPR just this morning as I was making my tea, and I heard a little story that fit very well with the sermon I was planning to give today. And it was a little story about a dead-end street in upstate New York that dead-ends right onto the Quebec border. And it used to be that every now and then, folks who needed or wanted to cross into Canada seeking asylum would sort of find that dead-end road and cross what used to be an ordinary ditch into Canada on the other side. And then since 2017, tens of thousands of folks have been traversing that little dead-end road and across the ditch, which has become now filled with gravel to accommodate the traffic. And there's a little corrugated iron shack across the, on the Canadian side that has uh, now um, got border patrol folks there. And what they do is they stand on that side, on the Canadian side, and if they see someone approaching as in the story of the Haitian woman who was in the character of this story. Uh, she, she came right up to the dead end on, the gra- on her side, the American side of the gravel ditch, and the, the Border Patrol person spotted her and said, you know, it's illegal to cross here. If you cross, we're going to have to arrest you. But she and her three boys wanted to take the risk anyway because they uh, desperately wanted to seek asylum, and they had been living in Philadelphia for the fa- last three years, and... They thought this would help make their lives better. And so what I loved about this story was how there was a a woman called Wendy who was there. And she said, you know, I've watched so many people cross this street because she happens to live across that ditch because she happens to live on that road. So every Sunday afternoon she goes out, especially in the winter, and she gives out gloves and hats and mittens and blankets and wishes everyone she meets that day good luck as they cross, because she feels like it's important that they see a smiling face before they take that risk. 
And I love that story because it is so in line with the hope that strangers bring. Just that witness, that showing up in that moment to offer hope. And I want to do, so, so while I'm talking today, if you think of strangers that have given you unexpected assistance, most of us probably have had an experience of that. Just bring them to mind and heart as you remember and think about people you didn't know who maybe entered your life at a moment and offered hope. And with that, Larry, would you go to the next slide? I think there's a picture. Yes. So by special request from Angie, this I wanted to include this image because this image was, uh, is a sand sculpture, and it's, a, it's kind of life-size. It's so enormous. And it was built in 2007 by an artist called Peter Bush. And every December, the best sand artists from all around the world go to the Canary Islands, and they depict scenes from the nativity in sand. And so this is one of those scenes from 2007. And uh, the artist note points out how you can almost tell Mary's discomfort. You can see how pregnant she is, and the innkeeper is saying, oh, sorry, no room. And I loved when we were doing our Christmas retreat, when I shared this image, uh, our Christmas Advent planning retreat, Angie uh, shared, she's like, you know, the, the, the innkeeper gets a bad rap. But maybe he wasn't the bad guy. You know, maybe the inn really was full and, and the, the stable was the best there was. And, and he really was offering welcome and hospitality. So as a stranger who didn't know this young couple, perhaps the innkeeper was offering the best he could in that moment. Offering hope, offering witness to people traveling. And I wanted to pause there just for a moment because I'm going to, we're talking about the Christmas story, the hope that strangers bring, and how this story of nativity brings us hope. And most of us, when we think of the nativity, it's the story we've heard all our lives. So how many of you uh, think the innkeeper when you think of the Bible story about Jesus' birth? Do you, do you all, well, he's, he's kind of the, the character, right? But there's, no, there's not an innkeeper mentioned in the scripture. Isn't that interesting? So here he is. Here's this poor guy who gets this awfully bad reputation, and, and he's not in scripture anywhere. Right? So he's part of the story. He's part of the, the mythology that is built up around the story. And, and something else that's just important, I feel, to bear in mind as we listen to our Christian scriptures is how much is story... And how much is real? And even if it's not real, how much is still true, you know, from a spiritual perspective? Because in progressive uh, theology, uh, most biblical scholars, for instance, that I would have studied with in seminary, would, would say, you know, the, this particular story from the Gospel of Luke, I believe, is a story Scholars are, are pretty certain that Jesus was actually born in Nazareth, not in Bethlehem. And so if that were true in a real sense, what is it about this, this story where Jesus is born in Bethlehem that makes it true? And so the, the answer to that question is that historically, the prediction the, like Isaiah and our other Old Testament 
prophets, they predicted that the Messiah would come from the line of David and would be born from the line of David. And so whoever wrote this story was sort of proving based on on, on biblical, on, on Hebrew authority, that here was this story of the family who traveled to Bethlehem to register during a census because they were of the line of David. And Joseph's family, according to this, this story, lives in Bethlehem. And that's why, according to the story, Joseph and his family went there. And what's also interesting is that even though we think of them staying in the inn, the Greek word for inn is not used. The Greek word that they use is guest house. There wasn't room in the guest house for the family. And so, so there's this, this question of how real is this story for one? And then there's the question of how we interpret this story, how we have integrated it. So this, you know, from a historical perspective, our biblical scholars say that if this were actually true, let's assume for the story's sake that it is, most likely if they were going to visit Joseph's family, they would have stayed in the family home and it would have been packed to the gills during census time. And so uh, being a a peasant's home rather than an upper-class home, the, the upstairs would have been the living quarters, and the downstairs would have been where the animals lived. And most likely, it too would have been quite full with people. And so the, they wouldn't have had room, perhaps, in the guest house upstairs, but they would have bunked down in the hay and straw in the downstairs, and that would have been considered normal. So just something to reflect on as we think about this Advent season and we wait for Christ and we wait for hope to arrive. I like how we interpret it because I love the work, the story as we typically know it works with getting hope from strangers. You know, if, if, if we think that Jesus, you know, was just born with his family, it loses a little bit of that, that, that interpretation. But I feel like it's important to be aware of as we journey together during this Advent season. So I wanted to reflect a little bit on where does hope come from? And, and who gives us hope? I really love Marge Piercy's poem because she talks about how it kind of slips through our fingers. And she wanted to offer words of hope that stuck like burrs. Have you ever of you had chiggers? Yeah, man. Mm, hope like chiggers. I'm like, ha, huh, that sounds awfully uncomfortable. Chiggers are those little microscopic bugs that climb up your legs and get into all the tender places and then go really red and itch like crazy for like a week. And I was like, hope, hope like chiggers. Hmm. <laughs> but from the Christian perspective, hope is like that. The hope that sticks to us, that we take into our hearts, that lights our life that guides us like our star, that doesn't quite fall through our fingers. And it reminded me of Isaiah, who uses words like Marge Piercy does. Marge offers words like a stranger offering hope on the border of Quebec. Good luck. Remember the ocean and the sea turns and the, and the sunrise. And Isaiah is doing the same here to his people. He's saying, I imagine a world where we will beat swords into plowshares 
a world where war will be no more, where we will teach each other of the end of war. Words that stick like burrs or chiggers, a vision of the kingdom of God. And what I love about the Advent season, and particularly about Isaiah, is that Isaiah, and when he talks about beating plow swords into plowshares, he is talking about hope, which is today. And what happens when we beat plows into swords into plowshares? We get peace. We get peace, which is next Sunday. And then when we get peace, what do we have as well? We have joy, exactly. And then with joy, we have abundant and open hearts too. Love. So we have all the Sundays of Advent before us. And this scripture from Isaiah is the first step into the water of Advent. We're going to get our feet wet with hope so that we can move toward peace and into joy and from there into love. There was something Wendell Berry also wrote that I wanted to reflect because Wendell Berry has been an inspiration for me and his words have been chiggers of hope in my life sometimes. He's insightful and challenging and maybe a chigger would be a, a good metaphor for him because he's so truthful. He, he, he doesn't mince his words and sometimes what he says can be uncomfortable. But what he said about hope is you can't construct a legitimate hope on the possibility that good people will come along later and do what they should. The hope has to rest on the willingness of good people to do the right thing now. Hope has to rest on the willingness of good people to do the right thing now. I feel a deep truth in that when we come together. And I witness it too, so when we are doing our outreach to the houseless families in the safe parking program, and we bear witness to their journeys and their hardship and offer a kind word or a little comfort. Or people who go to the border and welcome Haitian strangers into a strange land with a smile and a good luck and a warm hat. And the things that we do for each other in this community, when we bring casseroles when we're sick or we sit with people, or we welcome little ones because we delight in their presence. All of these acts, however small, I feel bring hope to our hearts. Because hope, Wendell Berry says, is rooted in good work, in faithfulness, and a willingness to serve, honesty, peaceableness, and loving kindness. And he says that we create this space in our own lives and in each other's lives when we offer these things. And I wanted to end today's message with a prayer that was written by Rachel Hackenberg. Uh, she's a pastor as well, and I've shortened it. So I just want to let you know it's slightly altered. But it's such a beautiful prayer that lifts up hope. She says, O holy mystery, we are gathered to await your coming Find us here in our waiting. Kindle the hope within us. O holy mountain, the the way is steep, but we are gladly coming with plowshares and pruning hooks. Meet us along the journey. 
Kindle the hope that is between us. For the time beckons when we will put on your spirit and seek the well-being of all. May it be so until it is so. Amen.